hey folks and welcome to the Off-Grid Podcast where we take topics that are relevant to regular people just trying to survive in a difficult world. Today's topic, we're going to talk about the upcoming economic crash. Now, I know some of you are thinking, doomsayer, you know, he's, he's going out and he's predicting doom and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, what does an old guy like me who lives in an off-grid cabin know about uh, economic collapse? Well, it turns out that uh, I started going off-grid back in uh, 2003. Uh, I went through my own personal economic collapse. I'm going to talk about that some more. Uh, I went through a bad divorce, had some health issues. Uh, I, was, uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD, which I didn't know. was going through a lot of depression. Uh, and so I needed a break uh, from all the stress that I was under at that time. And so that's why I decided to go off-grid. Uh, I was uh, started out in just a little camper uh, with a very small 45-watt solar power system. I uh, was hauling in my water, had a couple of pups, and I would go on hikes for five miles a day with my dogs uh, trying to get my head on straight. And so I went through this uh, an economic collapse of my own uh, and uh, went, went through a major change uh, in my own lifestyle. I wasn't going to be able to continue on uh, the path that I had been on anymore, uh, and it wasn't sustainable, and I was going to be struggling financially if I kept trying to do that, and I would just be caught in that cycle, that rat race, as they call it, uh, that was creating all the stress, uh, or most of the stress in my life. And so that's the reason that I went off-grid, uh, was to uh, get myself out of that uh, system. Now, since then, that was over 20 years ago now, created, built my cabin, I've put in lots more solar power, uh, my place has become a lot more sustainable. Now, I'm going to talk about that some more. Uh, but back in, let's see, I built my cabin in 2005. I lived in my camp trailer for about two years, about three, two, yeah, two years, three years. And I built my cabin in 2005. Uh, and then in 2007, I started uh, uh, working, I started creating some off-grid groups, some homesteader groups. Some of those, some of you people may even remember those that have been with my channel that long. That was a long time ago, uh, back before anybody was talking about off-gridding and homesteading and solar and that, because it was still way expensive. And the the mindset at that time was what I called a McMansion mindset. Everybody was building huge homes, uh, getting way in debt. Uh, you know, investing in the stock market, the stock market was just absolutely booming. And, uh, so, you know, some of the experts, even back then in 2005, were saying, you know, we're, we're getting into bubble territory. By 2007, it was pretty obvious to me, anybody who was paying attention to what was going on, that people were way overextended in debt uh, with their house payments. They were buying way too big of houses that they couldn't afford, getting these 30-year mortgages, uh, barely making their mortgage payments, a lot of them. Uh, and they were uh, way overextended in uh, debt and credit cards. They were way uh, in debt, basically, to the stock market, which they thought was an investment, a good investment. And, uh, you know, they were just living on the edge. And, uh, and my brother, happened, my older brother, happened to be one of those people. He uh, got himself into a big house that he couldn't really afford. At that time, he could because he had a really good job working in the oil industry. But it was, you know, it was still living on the edge. And he was really heavily invested in the stock market. And, you know, he was he was taking chances. He was gambling and risking a lot. 
And I tried to tell him, I said, you know, there, it, this looks like a bubble it, and I'm, I think it's going to collapse. I says, I think you should be really careful, especially with your stock market investments and getting in over your head in debt because it looks like a collapse is coming and that bubble is going to burst. Now, he didn't believe me. Like most people back then, they didn't listen. They didn't believe uh, that this could happen. They thought everything was just peachy keen and, and uh, you know, everything was going to continue on and they were going to keep making money forever. Well, 2008 came. And the economy collapsed. Uh, the housing market collapsed. Banks started failing. Uh, stock market went right to the bottom. Uh, and unfortunately, a whole lot of people, including my brother, lost everything that they had invested in the stock market, which they had planned on for their retirement. Uh, they couldn't afford the houses anymore. And so a lot of people ended up losing their homes to the banks. Uh, they ended up, a lot of people who who never thought in their lives that they would end up homeless on the streets, ended up homeless, millions of people uh, in the economic crash of 2008, 2009, ended up losing their homes. And these were people who had really good jobs, making good money uh, back then, and they were just over so overextended, uh, thinking that everything was going to stay the same, that when it crashed, they had nothing to fall back on. And that's real important that I'm going to talk about because it, they didn't have a house that, that was paid for. They were way overextended in debt. They had put, instead of investing in something that would help them, uh, they invested in the stock market, which is basically like going to the casino and gambling. Okay, It's the same process. Uh, the house usually wins. Uh, and there's a lot of investors out there who invest what they call short cycle where they want to, they actually uh, bet against you that a market is going to crash and they make money off of a situation like that. But the regular people that uh, invest in the stock market, stock market usually end up losing more than they make uh, in short term investments that they think are going to make a lot of money. Now, some people do really well in the stock market, uh, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people end up risking their money and losing it and maybe break even, maybe it'll make a little bit more at the end. But that's regardless. So now here we are, uh, and I've been off grid, like I said, since 2003, and uh, I also invested, uh, but I didn't invest in the stock market, all right? I invested in building a, an off-grid cabin and installing solar and uh, having my own water well and growing gardens and raising chickens, and I invested in my homestead. And uh, the reason I did that is because I could see that I needed something in case the economy ever collapsed again, or my own personal uh, economy collapses, that I would still be able to have a roof over my head, uh, a way to power what things I needed uh, in my life, uh, a way to raise and raise some food and, and grow some food for myself uh, so that I wouldn't starve. And, you know, I wanted to be prepared and more sustainable. So I started way back then, clear in 2003, started making my plans for how I could make my life sustainable and not rely on a job because jobs go away. Even if you're a great worker and, a, and the best employee in the world, uh, jobs collapse and you can lose your job overnight, uh, as happened uh, to some of my family members uh, recently. That same brother uh, just uh, suddenly after the COVID uh pandemic got really bad. They laid off all kinds of workers and you hear about massive layoffs all the time. And most of those people, they call them layoffs. Most of the time, those people never go back to work, especially if you're older. 
uh, because you are making too much money. They can hire two people for what they pay you, so they're not going to bring you back. They'll just hire two more people at half your pay. Uh, so, uh, so just realize that as you become uh, too expensive for companies as you get older, a lot of times they'll just lay you off. That doesn't mean they're going to bring you back anytime. You're, you're probably done. And it's a lot harder as you get older to get a new job. And so uh, that was one of the things that I was really looking at. I also had some health issues, as I was talking about. I've got really bad degenerative disc disease in my back. I've had three knee surgeries. I don't have a ligament in my right knee. But my physical working days were over, okay? And uh, so I decided if I have a house that's paid for, I have my own utilities, solar power, wind power. If I have my own water well, don't have to pay for water, uh, and I grow a garden and I raise some chickens, I am at least have uh, some stability, okay? I'm sustainable to the point where I can then take, a, uh, take a, a risk on making some money in some ways that are maybe not the normal channels because I didn't want to work for a business that might lay me off. I don't want to rely on a paycheck. And so what I did is I started a business. And uh, my the business that I got into, which I had a little bit of experience for because I did it when I was married before, uh, was running a pest control company. I worked for a pest control company. And he went out and did a, a pest control for people's homes, which meant, and so I had some experience in that. So I decided I'll start up my own pest control company. So I did the uh, the studying and the courses that I needed to take to get educated to and get my licensing. I got my county license and my state license so that I could go ahead and start my business. And I started up a local pest control company and um, started out just putting out flyers and putting my word and name out there uh, and uh, building up a follower. And by the time a few years rolled around, I had over 2,500 regular customers a year and was making really good money uh, doing pest control. And But I decided then that I, even though I had the money, I could have... Uh, I could have moved up the ladder, as they say. I could maybe buy a house or something like that. I decided to stay in my little cabin. Now, my little cabin, just so you know, I paid all of $2,000 back then to build my cabin. Today, it would probably cost you maybe around $5,000, but it's still just a 14 by 14, very basic, simple cabin. And I paid $2,000 for this cabin. And so it was all paid out. I paid cash for all my material. I didn't take out any loans or anything like that. Now, I was making good money doing pest control. I could have got out of this cabin. I could have built me a, a, a nice house or bought a manufactured home or something like that to put on the property or go, went and bought a, a home. But I decided, no, I wasn't going to do that. I was going to invest that money back into my homestead by making my cabin nicer, uh, putting in uh, better propane appliances so I could uh, heat uh, heat my place in the winter without having to rely on uh, starting a wood stove in the middle of the night because I had a wood stove and they're a pain in the ass. Okay, anybody who tells you wood stoves are great, they're a pain in the ass to get up in the middle of the night two or three times and have to, to start a fire again. So I got propane. I have propane uh, on-demand water heater. I have a propane stove and I invested in making my property nicer, uh, growing a bigger garden, putting in fruit trees, investing in getting chickens and, rate and building pens and things like that. I decided to invest instead of in the stock market, which is gambling, I invested in things that would make my life easier and would make it more sustainable if that money wasn't there. That's the best investment that I can recommend for people is that you invest into yourself, into your homesteads, because that is what's really going to pay you back if the economy collapses. Now, here we are today. It's 2023 uh, March 
And uh, if you've been watching the news at all, you know that there is uh, right now a big uh, concern about banks. And one of the banks that's really in the news right now is SVB, which is the Silicon Valley Bank. Okay. And uh, it, it collapsed. Okay. It just straight collapsed. And it left a whole lot of people wondering if they were going to get their money back. So just a brief summary of what happened with that bank there, so you know. Uh, SVB uh, was not a traditional bank. Uh, for one thing, it was a bank that was used by a lot of uh, startup businesses uh, that, maybe, that may fail or may make it. And it was also extremely heavily invested in cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin and things like that. These cryptocurrencies that came on the market... Uh, available. A lot of people wanted to invest in cryptocurrency. Uh, why? Well, it was gambling on something that really doesn't have any physical uh, presence. Bitcoin and, and uh, crypto and those others, there is nothing behind them. If you invest in the stock market, you're investing in a company. There is a physical property that you're probably investing in a business or something like that. You know, but with crypto, uh, you're not investing in anything really except the thought that the crypto that if other people invest in the same thing the crypto will became will gain in value and then you will own more of the crypto however crypto isn't actually tied to money and for a long time you couldn't even trade it for anything and no businesses would deal in crypto uh, but it became a, a a way of uh investing in something outside of the stock market and it was a gambler's paradise basically uh, in which people that thought they could make a lot of money uh, real fast wanted to invest in crypto. But crypto is not backed by the Federal Reserve. It's not backed by FDIC. So all of these investments, millions and millions, maybe billions, I don't know how much they had invested, but a lot in this SVB bank, they were not backed by the FDIC. Now, when you you put money into a regular bank, uh, your money is protected if it's an FDIC bank, which most are, these days, your money is backed up to $250,000 um, by the FDIC. That means if something happens, if the bank screws up, uh, they overinvest, they collapse for some reason, your money is safe up to $250,000. And the FDIC guarantees that. But the FDIC does not guarantee crypto investments, all right? And it also doesn't guarantee people that are gambling on the bank, which means investors in the bank are not covered by FDIC. So there was a whole lot of, of crypto investors. There was a whole lot of these startup businesses that were on kind of shaky grounds and a lot of investors in the SVB bank trying to make money off of the bank because of these people that are gambling on crypto and things like that. They weren't covered by FDIC. And what happened, what triggered the SVB bank was actually uh, the uh, default and fraud of the Sam Bankman-Fried uh, cryptocurrency. When it was found out that he was running basically a scam, was taking a whole bunch of the money out that was supposed to be the investors, basically a pyramid scheme in crypto. When that collapsed, it put a shock into the crypto markets and that affected SVB Bank and people started getting really worried about their investments. So they started pulling money out called a bank run. They made a bank run on this SVB Bank. They started pulling their money out. Well, you know, SVB was well overextended and because of some changes government made in their last term uh they they undid a lot of the the protections under the Dodd-Frank protections that was supposed to keep banks 
from being overextended that way. And because they weren't protected anymore, uh, the SVB bank collapsed, all right? And because people were just pulling their money out and they were afraid they were going to lose their investment. They ran on the bank and they started taking their money out and they took out so much that SVB couldn't cover it and their stocks uh, for the bank started going down. They had to cash in a bunch of their stocks in order to uh, pay, pay the people that were making a run on the bank. And there are some other legal issues uh, that may have went on with that because it's been reported now that the bank uh, was paid off a whole bunch of bonuses to their own employees right before the bank crashed. Pretty uh, skeptical that, that that was probably legal. There may have been some other legal issues and things that they did that were not uh, appropriate. Cost the investors and the people that had put their money in the bank a whole lot of money uh, because of the way that was handled. Now, that will all come out in court cases, I'm sure, that will take years and years and years to figure out. Now, in the meantime, uh, the government says it's going to step up, and, and uh, they are even going to insure the people that are involved in crypto. Now, do I think that's the right decision? Personally, no. I think if you gambled in crypto... Uh, that is not based on anything, it's not based on the dollar, it's not based on any physical property, you were gambling. Why should you be protected by a system that's supposed to protect banks? Now, how they're going to work that out, I don't know. They say it's not going to come from taxpayer money. I say bullshit on that. It all comes from taxpayer money because the federal government only operates off of taxpayer money, okay? So if you're paying in taxes, believe me, in some way, it's going to go back to pay for these people that invested in crypto in this bank, all right? And it's going to pay the, the investors in that back. The bank will probably end up coming out of it because a bank is a corporation, right? We all know what happens with corporations. The people that are working it and making these, these uh, bad uh, deals and making Making these bad decisions, they never get punished because it's a corporation, the corporation protected by corporate laws. And so nothing ever happens to the people usually that are in charge of the corporation. They never suffer any consequences. The people that were invested in the bank, people had their money in the bank, they all suffer. But the people that were running the bank, they're protected by corporate law and very, very rarely are they ever held to any serious consequence. The corporation will be folded down They'll buy up the bank and reopen it under a different name, and it'll just continue on that way. But here's the thing. That was one situation with one bank, but it didn't stop there. As a result, uh, now I think there's either four or five banks uh, that have closed down uh, that were all either associated with this or running the same kind of banking system as, as the SVB bank was. And the result is that there's probably going to be even more banks. Uh, because there's a cryptocurrency is now uh, such a large uh, portion of what are people are investing in. Unfortunately, like I said, uh, there there is a real chance that there will be a lot more runs. People trying to get out of crypto, people trying to dump their investments, uh, and it's going to affect the stock market, which we've already seen some major drops in the stock market, and we have been operating in a bubble in the stock market for quite some time. Same kind of bubble, maybe not necessarily related to the housing market, but related to other investments uh, in cryptocurrency and uh, technology that is kind of startup technology startups and things like that. We've been building into this bubble again, and I see it coming, folks. And I can tell you right now, just like I told my brother, uh, if you're heavily invested in stocks, 
uh, if you're uh, taking risks on cryptocurrency, if you've got way over your head in a house loan or something like that, you're riding on the edge of a collapse. Now, it may be a personal collapse like I went through, uh, or it may be an economic collapse uh, of uh, national and world proportions. Uh, it's hard to say exactly whether the governments have learned anything from 2008 and will step up in advance and decide, hey, we need to, to, to uh, stop this and prevent it from becoming a crash uh, like it did in 2008. It's hard to say. Uh, you know, our, our government is, is well divided and they don't make many decisions and do things for the right reason. There's some people out there would like to see the economy crash because then they could blame it on the president and the government. You know, so there, there's a real risk is what I'm telling you, uh, that you are either going to suffer a personal economic collapse, uh, as a result of you losing your job possibly, uh, if the economy starts to go down, or uh, losing your investments in the stock market, losing your investments in uh, cryptocurrency, being way over your head on loans, credit card debt, uh, house loans, things like that. So I've been warning people since 2003 that these collapses were going to happen either in your personal life or in the uh, economy in general. And, you know, in 2008, we've seen it. And uh, back then, I can tell you when I started my YouTube channel, People sometimes left negative comments about my little cabin and my off-grid lifestyle. Uh, they, they laughed and joked and thought, called me all kinds of names, hermit and redneck and, you know, uh, bum and uh, hillbilly and, uh, you know, lots of things like that. Well, here it is 20 years later. I still have my cabin. I still have no house payments, no utility bills, and I'm fairly sustainable here at my house, where a lot of those people who probably made those comments were some of the ones that lost their houses in the economic collapse, lost all their money uh, in the stock market. And, uh, you know, some of them had to start over, and some of them came back to my channel and says, I need to build a house and a cabin. How can you help me get started again uh, on a different path to live a sustainable life? Now, here's my shameless plug of how you can do that uh, in your own life. Uh, because I've made a channel, of course, on YouTube. Got lots and lots of videos on there of how I done it, how I built my cabin, installed solar, uh, you know, installed a well, grow a garden, raise fruit trees, chickens, dogs, and rabbits, and all that sort of stuff that I've done over time uh, here at my off-grid cabin. I also wrote the book. Yeah, I wrote the book about off-grid living. It's called Off the Grid or Ultimate Off-Grid Guide. And it is 355 pages. This book is chock full of all the things that I learned uh, from living off of grid. Okay, uh, how to build your cabins, uh, how to find land, uh, how to install your well, how to install solar panels, how to install wind power, and a whole bunch of other projects in here uh, to live sustainably uh, on your own homesteads. So I wrote the book for people that are worried about an economic collapse or just want to go off-grid to live more sustainable. And so you can get this on Amazon. I'll put the link down there in the comments. You can get this on Amazon for a very reasonable price. You can even get it for $5 for the ebook. okay? And you can also get uh, any of my cabin plans, because over the years I designed lots and lots of cabins. Uh, this A-frame cabin here, this is a very popular cabin, and I made plans for these, and I kept them affordable. The e-books are only five bucks, the printed books are only ten bucks on Amazon, and you can get this, the complete set of plans. You can build a cabin like this A-frame, or any of the other cabin plans I've got.
cabin plans on there for all different styles and sizes. Uh, and I used my experience. When I went to college, I originally intended to, I wanted to meet, be maybe an architect. I went into architectural drafting uh, and went through that program, learned how to design uh, cabins and, and shelters and houses and structures like that. In college, uh, while I was married, I was working building uh, sh structures like sheds, barns and, and cabins for other people. So I did a lot of construction work that I did some more construction work later on in life. So I learned how to design and build uh, cabins, built my own cabin, and I used that experience to design cabin plans. And these cabin plans are step by step in here. These cabin plans are step by step. I show you everything from how to set up your foundation, how to do all your framing in these. I uh, even show you, give you basic instructions for uh, off-grid uh, solar installation and things like that. Uh, supplies that I would recommend. They these and I designed these plans specifically for people that have never built anything. Okay, so if you want to learn how to build your own cabin on your own land so that you can live sustainably, and here's the real important thing: if you own your home and you own your own your own utilities, solar and wind power, and you have your own water, uh, there there really isn't much that can be thrown at you from the outside, whether it's losing a job, maybe your health starts to deteriorate, you get older, uh, you know, you, you lose, you, you're not able to make as much money. Uh, you As long as you have a house and your own utilities, water well, you're able to grow a garden, raise some chickens, you're still going to be able to survive. Okay, it may not be what you're used to, but you will be able to survive and you will be sustainable. And that's the point of this uh, off-grid podcast that I want to really emphasize is that if you want to invest, if you want to invest in something, invest in yourself, invest in making your homestead sustainable. Now, I'm not saying everybody out there needs to go off-grid and live in, live in the boonies and the woods. I see a lot of people trying to do that. I really don't recommend that. I live 10 miles from a... 10 miles from a small town where I can go in and resupply if I need to, okay? What I do recommend, though, is that you get out of debt, okay? Pay off your house. If, you, if you're way overhead on your house, you may want to sell it and, and get into something that you can actually afford. Build your own house, possibly. Uh, build small, build affordable, and pay it off so that you own your home. If you own your home, uh, then you're going to be a lot more sustainable if something happens in your life. If you lose your job, your investments go away. If you install solar, and you can do this anywhere, you can. In, if you live in a town or a city, if you have a home, you can install solar. You can even do it yourself. You don't have to pay for a great big huge system. Even if you start out with just a 400 watt system like I use here at my cabin, or a one kilowatt system, uh, you know, you can install that yourself. Even if you can't power everything that's in your house right now, if the if something happens and you can't afford to make your utility payments, you can still power all kinds of stuff off of that to stay sustainable so that you can keep your fridge running and you can keep your lights on and you can run a microwave and you can run a washing machine off of just a small system. So, you know, if you have those under control, uh, then your debt goes way down. And so as a result, then you can actually take some chances. You could start a business like I did. Okay. Uh, you can, in, you, you can help your kids. That's one thing. Another thing that I did a lot, uh, when I was making quite a bit of money doing pest control, I helped my kids a lot. And so, you know, invest in yourself, invest in your family, invest in your homestead is what I'm really getting at here. Uh, instead of investing in the stock market, instead of getting overhead in debt, instead of uh, thinking that you have to have big credit card debt and a nice, really big, fancy, expensive car and things like that. I drive a truck that was made in 1997, okay? 
Uh, I paid $1,500 for it, and the thing still runs great. You don't have to have the newest model of car. You don't have to have new clothes all the time. You know, you don't have to, to uh, make people think that you have a lot of money. If you're doing that, you're not investing in yourself. You're investing in an image that you're not going to be, be able to maintain uh, if the economy collapses. And the result is you're going to end up maybe with a fancy car that you can't afford the gas for. Uh, insurance payments on that car are outrageous. You're not going to be afforded. They're going to come and yank back your car. Uh, and you're, you're, you know, they're going to take away your big house that you barely making payments on. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and the economic collapse that we're talking about here is not just a global economic collapse or a national economic collapse. It is the personal economic collapses that are most likely to happen to you and usually happen because uh, you get disabled, you get hurt on the job, you lose a job, uh, or something happens uh, that you're not able to work, or it could happen to a family member, it might not happen to you, it might happen to a spouse or one of your kids, uh, where health insurance uh, doesn't cover it, and you're, you're stuck with tons and tons of medical bills, things like that, where you're just not able to make it, or, you know, uh, the business that you've been working for for 30 years just suddenly decides to sell out or close up, and you, you're too old, and this happens, like I said, you're too old to now go find work somewhere else, you're too qualified and you make too much money for businesses to want to hire you. And so you end up being retired before you're ready to retire. And that happens to a lot of people. All right, folks, uh, I hope you, you enjoyed this uh, podcast and that there was something in it for you. Again, go to my Amazon page, get you a copy of this. You can get the ebook for five bucks, 355 pages, or you can get the printed book and you can get either the ebook or the printed books of any of my cabin plans if you're interested in building cabins. All right, folks, hope this podcast was interesting. Have a great day. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to talk. Don't lay your trip on me, because you don't walk my walk. I am my own man. There ain't no one else like me, I am my own.